This is exactly right. To my favorite murder. That's Georgia Hardstart. That's Karen Kilgariff. And we're here to talk to you about a couple things you need to know. Number one. If you're going to turn the fan, if you're going to be the one that turns yes. the fan off. Yeah. If Stephen asks you very nicely. And and then you agree uh-huh. to turn the fan off. Uh, you, don't take, you know yourself, Stephen. Because you're the closest, even though, you know, seniority wise, Stephen should have gotten up sure. and turned the fan this off. This is a democracy. Look, we're trying to be even. Right. Listen. Listen and look. And look, I was fine turning the fan sure. off. I mean, you should be fine turning the fan <laughs> off. It shouldn't be that. So if you just turn it off, <laughs> then don't trip over it and almost break everything in the room like a bizarre baby elephant, <laughs> which is what Aww. happened moments before this recording began. That's right. Karen's a little flustered. She then hit her entire body on the table and spilled her coffee everywhere. But she's a professional. There's an energy mm-hmm. um, in you just around me right now. I call it a synergy. There, it's a synergy. I'm working with clumsiness. Yeah. We just signed a, a three picture deal together. <laughs> so I'm going to be tipping things over. Love it. It might be my new teeth. Your new teeth are like, you're like top heavy now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're All of my like, balance is off. Tell everyone because so we po- we posted a new video on the fan cult. The fan cult. Um, and and people are commenting how nice your teeth look. I had all of my front teeth replaced everybody that's right i think i've been talking I, talking about wanting to of course for a long time but um i finally did it yeah so essentially i got whiter wider and much longer teeth yeah and so now i just look like a normal person instead of uh instead of a leprechaun that was <laughs> that bit into <laughs> a brick of gold because of greed. Look, you looked great before. You look great now. You just have wider, bigger teeth. Listen, people at my age, middle yeah. age, we uh-huh. like to call it, uh-huh. need things to help them. Yeah, chew. Their chew, food. chew their food, open their mouth and smile yeah. and look like a normal person yeah. and not a monster. Yeah. And so from here on out, goodbye, my strange my weird smirky smile with my mouth closed that is in every <laughs> uh, meet and greet picture. Oh, yeah. Where I'm always like, mm, not really up to snuff is what my <laughs> smile used to be. And now. now I look like one of those weird German mannequins that has their mouth open. I mean, it's going to have to be like just the flash and the lighting at the meet and greets to, to for your giant <laughs> smile. I'm going to need, he's going to have to hold one of those big weird yeah. silver things that bounces light. That's right. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be magic. What's new with you, Georgia? Speaking of live shows. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Go plug to... Plug away, plugger. MyFavoriteWeekend.com for the Santa Barbara show. And then we have some at MyFavoriteMurder.com. We have some upcoming shows in the UK. Can, oh, yeah. You can find links for tickets there. That's come, it. Come to the UK with us. What's new with me? Um, Vince is out of town at a wrestling thing in Chicago. Is he wrestling some people? He's just fighting people in the yes, streets. Yes, he just travels to different cities and fights on the street. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't want to get recognized, so he does it in different <laughs> cities. And I, you know, it's it have been my first, like, my first time alone in the new house. There's noises. There's, yeah. like, even with Vince home, I'm a little scared sometimes. Sure. Not of Vince. I want to clear that, <laughs> get that clear. He always is raising his backhand to you. Yeah, but it's just he's itching his shoulder. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? So I'm making my dad spend the night with 
at my house. Marty! Marty! Which is like, I kind of don't need it, but I kind of also knew, I kind of am. You and can, I also knew it. it would make him feel good, too. Sure. To be like, oh, I'm taking care of my daughter. I'll do it. And yeah. how was it? It's good. He's there right now. We were going to make a nice dinner. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Once he turned his phone off and wasn't watching shit loudly on it anymore. <laughs> Downstairs, I could hear him. Does he have his keyboard sounds on? No. Is he one of those people? <laughs> no. <laughs> those people that should be, uh, they should be locked up. Yeah. Uh, a lot of keyboard sounds. People at the airport, I found yeah. when we were on tour. Click, I was click, always click. sitting near people where I just wanted to go, hey, I guess you were raised by wolves. Turn the fucking keyboard sounds off. If you're going to write more than a couple words to someone in a quick text, turn your clickety-click keyboard sounds off. Just... For one moment, practice this for one minute yeah. every morning. Think of what you must be like to be sitting <gasps> seated next to on a plane. That's a great. That's a great idea. Just picture it and then tr- adjust from there if you feel like it. I think I that too. if someone called me an asshole, I they wouldn't be totally wrong. When I sit up in the morning and think <laughs> about myself, what am I like sitting next to on a plane? I think like antisocial. Maybe just a little like you could be a little friendlier, Georgia. But on planes. Because it's an enclosed space. Yeah. I feel like air on the side of unfriendliness. Okay. Uh, first of all, I've sat next to you on a plane. You're more like a, a coma patient, really, than <laughs> anything else. You pull those, those eye, eye shutters down real quick. My eyebrow. You go, you go way away I as do. fast as possible. Bye. I think that's ideal. Yeah. That's Wake the, me up for snacks and drinks. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye. Have you seen the photo of the one woman passed out on a plane and she has a stick it path post it note on her, like, forehead that says wake me up for snacks and drinks <laughs> yes steven is making a note Do we know for a fact that she's the one that put it there you gotta hope. You <laughs> or gotta some hope. sassy southwest uh, flight attendant who was like this will be funny but i'd be like thanks yeah <laughs> <laughs> these are the things i need could you imagine it? what a world if we could just write on a post-it note what we wanted mm. and then it's like and then wake, go to sleep wake me up for interesting conversation okay. and I put two asterisks on the beginning and the end of interesting I love it oh Karen this is laminated and it has like a little <laughs> buckle or like oh, clip or she this brings is, it with this her this lady's a, a professional traveler yeah because yeah. <laughs> it lo- looks like the kind of thing you'd wear if you like were like an ER nurse yeah, yeah. clip to your what does shirt it say? Please wake me up for snacks and drinks. Thank you. Yeah, that's all you need to But say. she's wearing what looks like a neck brace, even though it's just one of those sleeping I have things. one of those, yeah. But it's on the front. It goes on the front. Hers looks like she's been in a car yeah. accident, and she's not <laughs> letting it go. And then she does that. And actually, her eye um, covers, yeah. for some reason, I can't think of that word, look like, um, doesn't it look like a maxi pad wrapper? It- like exactly oh go to instagram my favorite murder (laughs) and we're gonna show this to you guys and tell that woman she's a hero i don't know we love we find out who she is our new mascot ask for what you want that's right and then she's gonna be she's gonna be at the santa barbara weekend front row center for every show (laughs) asleep with sleep with her mask on we're just gonna keep waking her up and giving her snacks so so we're gonna give her one pretzel every 15 minutes That's right but like a big pretzel not like a shitty pretzel no no a hot pretzel Ooh, we should make sure they serve good snacks at our <laughs> anyways <laughs> cut that out we'll make it steven list it oh, am i hungry okay i have um rec room 
Great. Our new... The Rec Room. Thank you. Okay. I'm listening... That's actually a ripoff of an SNL sketch. Okay, go Okay. <laughs> Just want to call it. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're great. Uh, Patient Zero is a podcast I'm listening to now, and it's from New Hampshire Public Radio, and it's they're solving medical mysteries. So the first season is about Lyme, Whoa. which I'm actually fascinated with. I have a couple of friends who actually have it, and I've, so I have weirdly learned a lot about it, and yeah. this is like the history of it and how it was, you know, figured out and all the people, the players, and it's like... Like really, it's just like soothing, and it's it's kind of like a radio labby style soothing good podcast. So cool! Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, that's amazing because I feel the thing that's so frustrating about Lyme. I mean, I f- from what I've heard from mm-hmm. people that have it is that doctors don't believe yeah. you have it. You have to find doctors that think it's real. <sighs> it's horrifying. I know, I know. What a nightmare! Yeah. Do we have? Are there lime lime marinos out there? <gasps> I, I bet there, I bet are. there are. Well. Let us know if you are. Hi, friends. Uh, hi, we're with Sorry you. Sorry about that. Yeah. It sucks. We believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't need us to, but we think it's real. Yeah. And so that's all it We counts. know it's real. Yeah, that's right. We're doctors. Uh, it counts what we think. My sister uh, texted me the other day and said, oh, no, we're talking on the phone. And she said, um, have you heard Taylor Swift's n- the new song? And I was like, I haven't. I'm really not up on it. And she was like, well... Go right now and download You Need to Calm Down by Taylor Swift. And that's what me and Nora listen to every day on the way to school. Uh, and it is, first of all, I love the way these days and these, like Taylor Swift is the kind of star where, you know, she's mega, humongous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when they write these songs, they get to like talk to the people that piss yeah. them off directly. It's so funny. All I can ever think of when I listen to these songs is I want to know who she's talking about. Yeah. I want like, if it was on a player, I want pictures of the people she's referencing to come up. I love it. It's hilarious. So yeah, um, I would say that one. I drove home. What's it called? I, I haven't listened to it yet. You need to calm down. <laughs> It's hilarious. I love little Taylor Swift. She's very, very talented and has been for a long time and very smart. And we'll fight you on that. Um, What else? Is that it? That's it. Because today's Friday. Yeah, we're taping early for personal reasons. Oh, because Labor Day. Labor Day. It's Labor (laughs) Day. No, it's Stephen Day. It's Stephen Day's coming up, so we had to tape today. So we haven't lived a full week yet. Yeah. We don't know what the topic is right now that's, like, big and important. And last week, we we had so many rec room. We had so many items in the rec room. All right. So this is a short opening. Let me just see. Sorry, super quick. Oh, of course I do. This isn't a rec room. Let's go back up the basement stairs. We're out of the rec room. Okay. Two things. Thank you, everyone who tweeted at me, um, tweeted Stefan gifts, because apparently, uh, without realizing it, I started my story last week by saying, this story has everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> of course. These are the kind of things you can't hear as yeah. you're talking and trying to read and things correctly. And it's just words, too. It's not like, this story has everything. everything. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but my sleeves were pulled over my hands. Can you believe Stefan and Barry are the same people? I know. He's, He's so, so talented. Good. I want to see a fucking Barry episode with Barry as Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill Hader as playing Barry has Barry do, do an impression of Stefan? Something like that. Would Barry do that, though? That no. doesn't seem to be in his wheelhouse. No. He's an actor. Some, someone else makes him do it. Yeah. At gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but more importantly, um, someone named Rachel Dukes from um, Mixtape Comics sent me a tweet that says, as someone who loves cults and comics, I can't recommend this anthology enough. Um, the stories are fascinating and the artwork is gorgeous. And then she linked me to a Kickstarter page um, and it's for a, a comic anthology coming out called American Cult. Ooh. Remember, I've talked about this before on the show. There used to be a series called The Big Book of, and mm-hmm. it was like The Big Book of Vice, The Big Book of Death, The yeah. Big Book of whatever. It's basically, seems like it's uh, relatively the same idea. And as of right now, uh, Friday, oh, it might be almost ending hmm. when this goes up. Um, but they're really close to their goal. And oh, man. you're if, fucking hooking them up right now. I, well, I want to because I want this. So yeah. I already I did my donation Love it. or pledge or whatever you call it. I've never kickstarted anything before. I was really excited. But I got <laughs> in there because I was like, I want this now. So and then I tweeted about it. But if anybody done that a couple of times with like a, a revolutionary cat toy or something like that, where I was like, I want that. Yes. In, and that's the frustrating thing about um, this happened last year because there was a what's that game? I want to. I'm too old for this game. It was not. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no it's not who's who guess who guess who yeah yeah yeah. where you flip the yeah, pins yeah. that there, someone made us the murder version of it we've gotten like four different murder versions of guess who so good thank you every every amazing person who's done that for us but somebody made a um powerful woman in history guess who oh wow and so you flip it up and then your match whatever it's super cool i went on there and it was like all everybody had ordered it already. Yeah, like it like, was you like don't get one. I was like pretty soon, like just have a game. That's company a great idea. This. It seems like I, I feel like it's very close to meeting its goal. Okay, but then let's get shipping, everybody. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my god, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient. Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. 
Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. I'm first this week. You're first, so I'm going to sit back. We. I know I'm first. And so I'm going to declare it. Do it. This one is so old. I'm positive you know about it. I'm positive you've seen it in every kind of whatever it is, ID channel, like weird, weird death love or whatever. Mm -hmm. Any any kind of Valentine's (laughs) Day disturbing Mm. story, anything like that. You've heard this one already. It's the very upsetting tale of Carl Tanzler's corpse bride. Okay, I think so. You know it. Okay. So uh, I got... All my in- most of my information from, of course, Wikipedia, <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia, Atlas Obscura, which if you yes. don't know about Atlas Obscura, it is such an incredible. Oh, I've talked about it. I've yeah, talked about I think it before. We've mentioned it before because I... my dad gave me that book. Do I have it in mind this week? No, I don't. But yeah. I yeah, I love great. it. It's great. I, I actually was looking through their Twitter and looking at the how interesting every single one of their articles is. Yeah. And like, this is so how are they thinking of all these ideas and things? Well, also, it just made me realize the reason they can do that is because it's about everything in the world. Yeah, that's, that's the whole true. idea is like travel the entire world. So this story is from this remote yeah. part of wherever. Um they just are so good. Yeah. Shout out Atlas Obscura. Love your book. And then, of course, BuzzFeed. Tried and true. All right. So let's start with the person that was impacted most by this whole exchange, which is the woman who ended up being the corpse bride. Mm. Her name is Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos, but um, her family called her Helen. She's a Cuban-American woman born in 1909. Her parents were Francisco uh, Pancho Hoyos, uh, who was a cigar maker, and Aurora Milagro. And um, so Helen and her parents and her two sisters, they all live together in Key West, Florida. Her sisters are named Florinda and Celia. Beautiful this time of year. Right? Key West. I'm back in Florida this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Welcome. That There's lots of stories coming out of there. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard. It's weird. <laughs> okay, so February 18th, 1926, mm-hmm. 17-year-old Helen mm. marries a man named Luis Mesa. But soon after their wedding... She gets pregnant and then loses the baby. Wait, what year is this around? This is 1926. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So he leaves her and moves to Miami. Great. See you later. Okay, bye. They're never officially divorced, but obviously it's over. Then, so about four years later, on April 22nd, 1930, Helen becomes extremely ill. So her mother takes her to the United States Marine Hospital in Key West, where she is diagnosed with tuberculosis. So not the case today, but um, because it's 1930, this is basically a fatal diagnosis. Mm, Uh, So Helen and her family are in the hospital trying to process this news. And in the room walks 53-year-old radiology technician Carl Tanzler. So I'll give you a little background on old Carl. Those radiologists are real. 
They're wild. Real, they're wild men. Mm-hmm. Carl Tanzer was born George with no E. I'm sure that has a, a different pronunciation in German, mm-hmm. but Jorg, maybe? Mm. Carl Tanzler, but Carl with a K. Uh, on February 8th, 1877 in Dresden, Germany. He grows up there, but just before World War II starts, 1914, he emigrates to Australia. And when the war finally does break out a couple years later, um, the British military authorities in Australia place Tanzler along with um, others from from foreign countries mm-hmm. in an internment camp for quote-unquote safekeeping. Uh-huh. So he's eventually released, and uh, but he's no longer allowed to stay in Australia. So he ends up going back home to Germany. He finds that his mother's still alive after the war. Very exciting reunion for them. He stays with her for about three years, and then around 1920, he marries a woman named Doris Anna Schaefer, and they have two daughters together. So it's, of course, Germany is very unstable after World War One. The They decide that they're going to leave Germany and emigrate to America. So Carl goes first, and then the wife and children follow after him. And they s- settle in, it's all one word, but it looks like it's pronounced Zephyr Hills, Florida. Huh. But it also could be Zephyrillis. <laughs> <laughs> Zephyr, no, it can't, because there's no other I. Let's just say Zephyr Hills. Zephyr Hills. And feel okay with it. Okay. They settled there in 1926. But in 1927, Carl leaves his family and moves to Key West and changes his name to Carl von Kosel and takes a job as a radiology technician at the United States Marine Hospital. So, boom, here we are, the cross-section of these two lives. Later on, after all of this whole weird story breaks and... He gets to tell his side of it. He claims that during his childhood, he was visited by the spirits of his ancestors who would show him the face of the woman who would be his one true love. And that woman was an exotic woman with long, dark hair. And he claims to have met that dream woman several times hmm. in his like childhood teen years. Like in person or in her, in his mind? Like a ghostly experience oh. almost? Yeah. Go- it's ghost stuff. It sounds ghosty. It is <laughs> pretty ghost-like. So, basically, when he walks into uh, Helen's hospital room and sees her mm. um, on April 22nd, 1930, he sees the face of the woman he was shown all throughout his childhood Shit. as the woman he that would be the love of his life. And she's like, I'm not feeling great. Can, she's like, I can't do this with you right can now. You have, can I have no visitors right now, please? I, I don't know you. And it, the crucial element of this is that... Um, Helen is almost 22. Mm. And again, I'll say it. Carl is 53. Mm. He's 53. He looks kind of like Sigmund Freud, yes, though. Yes. He looks like a man dressed up as an old man. Pointy, that weird pointy beard yep. that they used to have. Yeah. And bald hair on the side. Spectacles. Old guy. Yeah. And it's also an old guy in the 30s, which looks like a hell of old guy yeah. for today. Yeah. Um, he's wearing a, he's wearing a, a girdle. You know, old guy Drundle. stuff. Those, uh, <laughs> Durndle? Because he's German? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing those, um, those things that hold up his socks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sock holders uppers? No, they're, um, yeah. What do they call them? Suspenders? Suspen- sock suspenders. Sock spenders? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he sees the diagnosis of TB and he sees the face of the woman of his dreams and then sees that she's dying of tuberculosis. So immediately Carl's like, I have to do something. And he 
uh, tells the family that he can treat her, that he has he has ways that, you know, they can't give up. And he starts getting super involved. Mm. He's he's the radiologist, though. That's usually the person that takes x-rays and stuff like that. Yeah. Not really. He's not an internist. Yeah, he's not a lifesaver. He's not. <laughs> so he claims he has vast medical knowledge, uh, tries out a number of different treatments and medicines. They're um, all him kissing her. <laughs> so this, this treatment, it has to be given orally by me and you. Again? <laughs> I don't like it, though. You're you're, you're like my dad's you're, age. You're like my dad's dad. He works uh, with her while she's in the hospital. Then she gets released from the hospital and he comes visit her to visit her home to say, how about these other treatments? Mm -hmm. All of these practices are outside the bounds of his job. They're all against hospital protocol, but because it's before the internet, no one knows, cares, or pays attention, I guess. <laughs> but of course, Helen's family and Helen are desperate to yeah. cure her and save her from this horrible disease. So they allow, you know, whatever help they can get, which is another gross part of it because it's a true manipulation. Yeah. You're about to lose this dear family member. So it's like, and I decided I'm in love with her. So let me into the house so I can help her and yeah. cure her. And, and what are they going to be like? No, don't. We don't want your help. Right. Like, they don't know he can help right. them. They're, they're like, please, anyone that can do anything. Yeah. <clears throat> but he doesn't just come offering medical treatment. He also starts showering her with gifts, buying her clothing and jewelry. He tells her his name is Count von Kausel, mm -hmm. uh, that he is royalty, German royalty, uh, which he's not. And <laughs> he very soon professes his love to her. Uh, she does not reciprocate these feelings. When he asks her to marry him, she says no and points out that he is like 30 years older than her. <laughs> of course, like any romantic of the day, he asks again and again Aye. and again. So the family's like, guys, I just think, fucking walk away. Walk away. And also the ghost face your dead aunt showed you, yeah. that's not real. And it might look like a lot of other people. But yeah, it's not real. Long-haired brunettes were not uncommon in the 30s. Maybe you had a fever as a child. Yeah. And also, what maybe, like, what if something else happens? Yes. Be open to the other possibilities. You already married someone and had two children. <laughs> she didn't look close enough. <laughs> She's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. So the family, of course, is slowly like, we got to get away from this guy. Yeah. Like, he won't leave us alone. Meanwhile, Helen is battling tuberculosis. This okay. lasts for like a year. And on October 25th, 1931, Helen dies from the disease Aww. in her parents' home. It's very sad. So Carl shows up again. He insists upon paying for her entire funeral and including an above-ground mausoleum. Wow. Um, and with... Helen's family's permission, Helen's body is laid to rest in that mausoleum in the Key West Cemetery. Um, but what he doesn't tell Helen's family uh -oh. is that he has a key to the mausoleum. Uh, he, he swallows it. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine forever. Um, yeah. So he's the only one with the key. And so he begins to visit Helen in the mausoleum. I mean, Helen's dead body. Okay. How, as a Jew, tell me how mausole mausoleums work. How, uh, I could, uh, this is from what I've seen in <laughs> in Ashley yeah. Judd movie uh -huh. where she gets locked into one one time. So is true or not not true? Is that, that like is. a coffin inside of a room? Yeah, or it's it's a um it's not a coffin. It's usually uh -huh. uh, based on this Ashley Judd movie. I think uh, is it <laughs> Along Came a Spider, also starring oh, Morgan that's Freeman. A good one. That's not yeah. 
She did a series of films with Morgan Freeman. Oh, they were so good. God, they were all, every single one was great. Love it. Um, but she uh, goes in and it's like, they're made of marble. Like, yeah. you know, and they're little houses. They usually have windows, uh-huh. I think, at least one. And then inside, it's either more marble, like the body or the coffin or inside a little marble casing. So okay. you can't just get to it. You okay. Know? So it is like a coffin, but it's not. But it's not like as hardcore as it's not like it's not like Dracula's and they're waiting to get out with ease. Okay, as far as I understand. Okay, I see it. I can picture it. Okay, we're we're basing this. This is all Ashley Judd based. Go ahead, Steve. It's not along came the spider. It's buried alive in a grave. It's called that. No, it's not. Wait, it's not. This is. (laughs) This says this goes to maybe it's she's, alive in a grave. Maybe she's it been in multiple. Be a, a long came, it might not be along came a spider, but then the, it's a different one. Oh, this is just a list kiss of people girls. of movies it's, of people being buried alive in graves. It's kiss the girls. It is kiss the girls, yes. Georgia. It yes. is kiss yes. the girls. God, I feel alive. Or is it double jeopardy? Oh, she it's did not- double jeopardy too. Oh yeah, said so Ashley Judd is knocked out and put in a casket inside a mausoleum. That's it. In kiss the and girls, and it turns out your fucking husband. Which one no, was it? In Double Jeopardy? Double Jeopardy, yeah. Oh, it is Double Jeopardy. Oh, wait, no. I had the other girls. one. Along Came like, a we're Spider. We're all right. I think Along Came a Spider also might be mo- the Monica Potter but his movie. But Buried Alive in a Grave. Buried Alive <laughs> in a Grave was just one of the movies that included someone being buried alive in a grave. <laughs> right, Steven? Yeah. Okay, great. That's I got Steven's, excited. You're going to have an Ashley Judd marathon now. <laughs> But was Ashley Judd in Buried Alive in a Grave? No, no that's that, not that, a movie. That was just a list of, of movies where that happens. Oh, wow. Sorry, why did that? Oh, that was the she, title a list. of the yeah, list yeah. of people. Yes, yes, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I no. thought it was the name of a movie. No, no. It has to be now. Now I have to write that. Oh. Stephen, on a poster note, will you write, Karen, please write Buried Alive in a Grave? Can yes. we get a uh, cartoon? It's going to be a rom-com. we got to get a cartoon going. <laughs> Listen. Ashley Look. Judd is buried alive in a grave. <laughs> and. <laughs> okay, so he. It's such a crazy thing. If you've ever been to a cemetery, yeah. it's not a place you want to be at all. Well, unless you're like a high school goth. Right. It, you, if you have clothes to smoke, yeah. Yes, you do. But it's not like it's a fun hang. And then I think I mausoleums. Like, I don't want to sound like a. I'm really dark and deep and interesting, but I like, I like them. Okay, maybe I should specify. Mausoleums aren't the things you want to hang out in. <laughs> okay. They're really cold. Okay. And they have a dead body in them. Yes, I don't want that. And Carl, right? Okay, thanks. Okay. You're right, because the outside of it is nice. It's a gar- it's garden feel. Look at the dates. You're like, oh, when did they die? And it's, like, but it's all, yeah, okay. No, you're right. Listen, you're right. I, do, I do not want to fight with you over the. <laughs> Look, I do. Listen. I want to fight about being buried alive in a grave. <laughs> now. I'm going to write a song called Buried Alive in a Grave. You fucking better. He visits Helen. Every single night. Mm. Maybe that's if I had said that sentence first and then I started talking about how maybe you don't want if you were going to go to a cemetery, you want to save that for the weekends. Yeah. Every night. No, no. Okay. Now, how do you feel about this? Inside the mausoleum, he has a telephone installed Mm. (laughs) so that he can call her. What year is this? (laughs) It's it's 1931. Oh, he has a telephone installed so he can talk to her when he's not there. Ahoy, hoy. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Well, who's going to answer the phone? I mean, what level of pretending is he doing at home on his phone? Yeah, she's not picking up. She must be busy. 555-DEAD. <laughs> the nightly visits to Helen's mausoleum continue for two full years, oh 1931 God. to 1933. And according to Carl, 
Helen's spirit would appear when he would visit the mausoleum, and either he, that spirit, or both of them would serenade Helen's body with her favorite Spanish songs. That would be romantic if they had been in love with each other. Thank you. Great point. <laughs> You'd hope they would move on. Like, you know. Yeah, but even yeah, even if they were the most in love with each other, even if it was Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, you don't want one person singing to a dead body no. every night. I think someone would, would cut in and be like, I know you guys are super in love, but like, we got to like take you to therapy. Yeah, you don't get to be in the mausoleum anymore. You, yeah. Now you have to go. Two weeks talk about your feelings yeah. and work some shit out. You don't need to get over it. You'll, it'll Not be with all. you for the rest of your life. We that's totally right. understand that. Yeah. It never goes away and that's fine. Yeah. But you need to find other ways. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> other ways besides corpse singing. Yeah. To like to get honor and to honor their spirit. Right. And also if that, if her spirit really did rise up out of her body to do something, it would go, Hey, can you fucking leave me alone, please? <laughs> Sigmund Freud. Okay. So, Everyone is very creeped out by Carl's nightly visits, Good. of course. And um, so the, he gets fired from his job at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so then he stops for a little while until one night in April of 1933. And that night, Carl goes to Helen's mausoleum with a new plan. He's going to exhume her body oh, no. and take it home with him. Mm -mm -mm. So he does just that. He takes her body out of the mausoleum and he puts it on a child's toy wagon mm. and carts it out of the cemetery in the dead of night. Can you imagine if you're like going to visit your mom's grave and then you're like, hey, how are you? Oh, shit. Who's that crone with the toy wagon? Can you cut that out? I didn't mean your mom's grave. Like, that sounded so insensitive. <laughs> My mom, my mom was cremated and she's in the fucking living room. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that story? No. Is she really in the living room? Yes. But my dad didn't tell me or my sister that that's where he put her. So we were all at dinner with like my cousins and everybody one night and we were all talking about my, so people were telling stories about yeah. my mom and then, uh, that goes well she's right there no jam. <laughs> there's like a little box on top of like the china cabinet or whatever we're like uh, i look up and i'm like really are you joking jim you're supposed to tell your daughters that information i, I don't know um, i guess it was private okay so now it's gonna get like that's none of this has been pleasant no and none of this has been a good story now he's got her in his clutches at his house okay so hold on i'm going to show you a couple pictures yeah please um always here's the mausoleum <gasps> do not look underneath oh, well. thank you oh that's nice tasteful looks like a little marble house it looks like a little tugboat and there's them so carl's so on the right obviously wow he looks a hundred yes she looks lovely she's gorgeous he looks like albert fish Oh, he totally. Sigmund Freud and Albert Fish, who already look alike. It's a mix of those <laughs> fucking two. It's complete with the needles up your penis. It, and it's stuff. crazy. Oh. Okay. How is... Okay. Yeah. So everyone in Helen's family is just like, hey, old guy, drop it. Yeah. She didn't love you in life. Right. And now you're, you're nudging her and you're... You're a creep. In death. Back at his home... Wait, did you see this one? No, no, no. Wait, is it one. this one? It's this one. Look at oh. his house. Describe what that house looks like to the to the people listening. That's please. a shanty town. <laughs> That's a fucking middle of Joshua Tree board planks and 
yeah. little shanty town. It looks like he another house burned down and he went and grabbed the planks that didn't <laughs> yeah. burn and built his own house. Yeah. It's not like he brought her back somewhere great. Put a hex on it. Yes. <laughs> for fun. So so back at his shanty town, uh-huh. he does everything he can to preserve her body, obviously. Uh-huh. He goes in and he uses a piano wire to put to hold her bones together because her joints obviously are going to disintegrate or Fuck. decompose. Um, he gives her glass eyes. And Charity has two years of decom, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Everything about this is so... Disturbing. Disturbing and, like, it just feels impossible. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, it's always been presented up until relatively recently as a love story. Yeah. As an absolutely his side of the story love story. Well, it's funny because you telling me this, I was like, oh, they were in love. I thought, like, in my mind they were married. I haven't read it in so long because I keep seeing it. Yeah. It's like, I thought they were married and he wouldn't let her go. No. Right. He was a stalker. No. He was a stalker. A, gro- a, we- a super weird stalker. So... Uh, but it'll make sense a little while later why it's come out that way. Okay. So, okay. So, um, so, so as her skin decomposes and is like peeling off, he replaces it with silk cloth that's soaked in wax. I guess mortician's wax. So, like, oh that it's you know he uses a, kind of a bunch of those yeah. processes. He uses plaster of Paris to make uh the face when this when the skin on her face is peeling away really? that eventually her face does just become a a mask uh. um and inside her body he fills it with rags <gasps> to keep the form uh. yeah and how uh, disrespectful it's it's hor- it's human life yeah it's horrifying he also um as her hair falls out, he makes a wig of the fallen out hair Ooh. so he can put her hair back on her as in wig form. Really? He douses her in perfume and oils to hide the smell of decay. And obviously he keeps her in his bed. And unfortunately, this piece of information <gasps> is not cool. He constructs a paper tube Ugh. to put in her vagina so that he can have sex with the corpse. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, that's why that's yeah. the point of all of this, yeah. right? As time passes... And Carl, of course, he's forced to keep diligent care of the, of a corpse yeah. that is now decomposing over years of time, uh-huh. and so he has to de- he has to disinfect it and spray it with more and more perfume. Um, there's issues with slime and mold, <gasps> different molds. So he his medical background helps him to recognize that and check it and yeah. keep it at bay and buy the right disinfectants. And but he's also continually going out and still buying her new clothes and jewelry and presents. He actually puts a privacy curtain down the middle of his bed so that she can have some privacy what when she wants the to. Fuck? Yeah. This goes on for seven years. What the fuck? <laughs> yes. Like seven years after he took her? Yes. Oh, my God. Seven years. Seven. So two in the mausoleum. Okay. And then seven at his house. No. So eventually people start to ask questions. Why did Carl stop visiting the mausoleum all of a sudden? Yeah. And why does he keep buying women's clothing and jewelry and perfume if he's this single man? Can you imagine the first person who it dawned on what was happening and they were just like, oh, shit. Want to know who it was? Yeah. A neighborhood boy. (gasps) Who told? Who reported that he saw Carl dancing with what looked like a giant doll through his window, <laughs> and then needed all of the therapy for the and rest then of his. Just <laughs> ran screaming into the sea. 
<laughs> I mean, holy. Oh my God. This is, I wish, now I wish I'd saved this for Halloween because this is fucked. Well, wait till you hear mine. It's, oh, okay. Keep going. It's, it's the invention of the jack o' lantern. <laughs> okay, so now it's October 1940. Okay. Everyone in town is talking about this. Yeah. And of course, Helen's family hears about it. And so uh, her sister goes to Carl's house to confront him. She says, look, we know you're not visiting the mausoleum anymore. Have you, what's going on? Did you take her body? Whatever. Uh-huh. And so he lets her in the house <gasps> and lets her into his bedroom. It's a movie. It's a fucking horror movie. And she walks in and sees <gasps> this bizarre. Let me see. Let me see. Dressed up, masked corpse of her sister. Oh, no. Look at that. Oh, honey. Doesn't that look like if you were driving to Las Vegas and you stopped at a tourist's area? Yeah. And there was kind of like a bunch of mannequins that someone that worked there made. Yes. And they were like, oh, you know, it's the gold rush yeah. or whatever. That's what this, it has that feel to me. But now I'm looking at the photograph of her side by side with this mannequin and it's like, I, the features are still the same. Yeah. So I was like wondering if her sister was like, what is that? But I think her sister would have known. Like he, that's she would have immediately like my known. Sister. Yeah. The guy that was stalking my sister as she died, as she died at, in the hospital and at her house, uh, ha- now has her in his house for dude, years, dude. It, for years, it's the fucking most crazy thing I've ever it's, seen. It, it's the most. So she is, of course, blown out yeah. and freaked out beyond. So she just says, can you please put her body back in the mausole- mausoleum? And he says, no. Yeah. So she says, OK, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to crab walk out of here. <laughs> She's, it's all Clary Starling voice of, may I use your phone? Please? <laughs> it's all that. But she immediately calls the cops. Yeah. Of course. So the police arrive to find the horror show of Carl's making and they take Helen's body in to perform an autopsy. They discover all the different mechanisms that Carl has used to preserve <laughs> Helen and uh, and then have sex with her, uh, which he would later deny. And of course, Carl Tanzler is immediately taken into custody. And of course, this story goes 1930s viral. It's uh, it's all anyone's talking about. It's in every newspaper. Mm-hmm. It's all over the p- place. Of course, people are going crazy. This is yeah. like this is the kind of story newspapers are looking for. Yeah, horror it's like show, the first horror movie. So after the autopsy, Helen's body is moved to the Dean Lopez funeral home where it is put on public display. Don't do that. She's already fucking had enough. I don't know if it was like, I don't know who agreed to that. I don't know how that part got set up no. or if it was like some kind of a weird somebody came in. It was like a money making scheme. Were they the ones who accidentally gave the fucking Carl a key to her mausoleum? Because. Well, because he paid for it. He got his own key. Oh, remember? Right. He yeah. act like it was a generous offer, yeah. but it was entirely self-serving. Uh, yeah. So Helen's body is viewed by as many as 6,800 people. What? Yes. In today's numbers. Oh my God, that's 2 trillion people. So eventually her body is returned to the Key West Cemetery. It's buried in an unmarked grave in a secret location so that Carl cannot go f- oh. be near it in any way and she, Helen can finally rest in peace. Oh my God. After almost a decade. Okay, so Carl Tanzer stands trial on October 9th, 1940 for quote, wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. Mm -hmm. This trial is also widely publicized, obviously. It's the only thing everyone in Key West can talk about. But strangely enough, 
Many people stand in support of Carl Tanzler because they believe that his crimes are nothing more than the endearing acts of a hopeless romantic. No, I, I, hopeless is correct. Hope, <laughs> but I don't think. I will ask you at this moment in time: Is there anything in this story that's any different than the story of Ed Gein? Totally. Nothing at all. None. The creepy house. Yeah. The mask work. Yeah. The dead body and rearticulation of. I mean, everything Ugh. about it. It's just that because afterwards he was the one that was able to write the story about it. Yeah. He put this romantic tinge on it and everyone's just like, well, yeah, he said he, it was all about love. So good. Of course, in court, when he was asked if he had sex with this corpse, Carl Tanzler answers no mm -hmm. um and then the entire courtroom went sure jan <laughs> um which is weird because the brady bunch wouldn't be out for years and years somehow now this gets weirder okay during the trial carl tells the court that he had built and planned to use an airship to send helen high into the stratosphere an airship an airship so that radiation from outer space could penetrate her tissues and restore life to her uh, somnolent form. Uh-oh. Someone is... I mean, and here's that airship. He built it himself. Oh, that's what that is? I saw yes. it in the printer. I think it's right there? God damn it. Right Me there. and my papers. Oh, I, I like to put everything... Oh, here it is. There <laughs> you it is. just spread all your papers <laughs> I really out. I really like to really. spread it all out. He fucking built it. He built that thing. Elena's so airship. It basically looks like someone who saw an airplane once... Yeah. And then uh, was given, again, a pile of burnt wood. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shantytown airship. I like that he recycles. I think that's nice. Yeah. But this airship is the work of a madman. So despite clear evidence of Carl Tanzler's guilt and questionable mental state, mm -hmm. he is acquitted for his what? This as the statute of limitations had expired. Not for her being dead, you fucking assholes. I mean, okay. It's so like, just keep her long enough and you won't get in trouble for it anymore. Right. How about the statute of limitations ended when he was forced to give her back, not when he kidnapped her? How about that? I see. You know what I mean? I mean, you'd like it to be like that. I would like the statute of limitations to go fuck itself completely. I would like to know what weird corpse fuckers made those laws in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely. It was like not a big deal back in 1856 or whenever that was made. NBD, the Donner Party, it just happened. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. He was alive. <laughs> so crazy. Oh my God. Okay, so w when he's acquitted, he has the giant brass balls to actually ask the court if he can have Helen's body <gasps> back. Oh, yes. This is this is how much he's learned the error of his ways. Wow. And, and they were like, never mind. We, we take that back. We take that back. For real. Never the mind. judge was like, shit, I already hit my gavel <laughs> or I would have you killed. Um, so the judge, of course, says, no, Carl. Yeah. Go home. There's a, a debate as to whether or not Carl could be rightfully charged with necrophilia. But even though the paper tube had been found inside Helen's body, there was no concrete evidence that Carl had actually had sex with that body. Bullshit. I mean, right. So in 1944, after the trial, uh, Carl moves to Pasco County, Florida to be near his former wife. She's Do like, I'm good. Yeah, no, no, no. Doris. No. She actually cares for him for the rest of of his life. No. Come on, Doris. She's like, I'm stuffing your fucking ass with rags, bitch. 
See how you like it. She's quote unquote taking care right, of him. Right. So Carl Tanzler writes his autobiography, and in 1947, a pulp magazine called Fantastic Adventures publishes it. In his version of the story, Helen loved him back. Mm. Her family was quote unquote scared of science and wanted to keep them apart and wouldn't let him treat her and was it was, you know, against their love. Did you ever prove that he could he could help her with TB? With tuberculosis, no. <laughs> like I could have done it, but they didn't want me to. Yeah. Like, well, what are you? What would you have done? Right. Well. Well, I have you ever heard of the airplane treatment, where <laughs> I build an airplane out of wood, and then you go in it. Most of Helen's family had passed away by this time when the story came out. So there was no one there to go, hey, yes, absolutely mm. not. Here's our side of the story. This is crazy. He's a stalker. We had to move a, a town away to get away <sighs> from this guy. So that romantic aspect, that that bent that he put on it is what has stayed with the story the entire time. But Carl's obsession with Helen did not end there. Oh, man. Alone in his new home, Carl constructs a life-size effigy of Helen, mm. which he keeps for the rest of his days. Ugh. And on, Ju on July 3rd, 1952, when Carl dies at the age of 75, he is in the arms of his life-sized Helen effigy doll. Oh, my God. Some people suspect that Carl had managed to swap out that effigy for Helen's real body no. and that the doll he passed away beside was actually her real corpse. But this was never substantiated. Holy shit. Yes. And if you want to read more about because there's so many things I didn't get to. There's yeah. a whole thing about that airplane. Really? Yes. He lived in it for a while. It's there's so much other stuff. Wow. If you want to read more about this story like I do and I'm going to get the book Undying Love by Ben Harrison. It's it tells the full entire story. Wow. <clears throat> and that is the story of Carl Tanzler's Corpse Bride. Great job on a fucked up story that we just haven't done. Right? But you did it. It was a great. I feel like I looked at the story when we did our first shows in Florida. Yeah. But then I was kind of, I, I don't know, at the time, maybe that I, there was so many choices that I, <laughs> I picked something else. Um, that story had everything. That story had everything. That was great. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye, goodbye. 
Can I just say this one thing while you do that? Yeah. Uh, it, I just realized in, the, in my research and stuff that the victim in the story that I just read, name was Elena. Somewhere I read that they call, her family called her Helen. And maybe that was her like Americanized name because yeah. the family came, came from Cuba and it's that thing of like, you know, you yeah. people pick their American names to blend in or whatever. Yeah. But um, so I, I just want to say that her name was Elena originally. Okay. But then I read that people called her Helen. But there's okay. a good chance people called her Elena also. Okay. I just, that felt like a weird whitewash moment. So I just want to, I want to call that out. Okay. And then everybody else can call me out too. Let's all do it together. <laughs> Twitter preference, right? <laughs> uh, call me out on Ello. That's an app I just downloaded. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> Don't you remember Ello? No. It came and went. It was supposed to be the new Twitter, like what four years ago, no. five years ago. Ello. Yeah. No. People are like, I'm going over to Ello, and everyone's like, Go ahead. We're addicted to this poisonous river. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. But wait. But wait, there's more? Here's the weird thing. What? You did the same story? No. Ugh. I'm doing s stories of people being accidentally buried alive. No, you're not. Swear to fucking God. What? How crazy is it? That's ew, why I was like, ew, so ew. We should have saved this for Halloween. Do you think after a while we have the same brain? <laughs> It's like we, these won't be, this is just how it's going to be where it's like, well, then I also. Well, I really love that we open this up a little this new after the break to like weird tales and, and stuff that's outside the realm of just straight up murder. This is literally buried alive in a grave. <laughs> how fucking crazy. I love it. Okay. So sorry, this whole time you've just been sitting yep. over there with your little sit. That's why you had that smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> okay. Uh, got, I specifically got this when I was just searching for weird shit and found a ranker article called Scary Stories of People Who Are Buried Alive. And I was like, great, I'm doing this. God bless you, ranker. Um, also got a story from Reuters about a dead man who wakes up under the autopsy knife. Spoiler alert. Um, autopsy. Okay. Yeah. No, we'll get there. We'll get there. History Collection, Amusing Planet, PopSci.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, Wikipedia, of course. Of course. So Wikipedia and then research was from uh, Lily Bellinghausen, who's been helping me with research. God bless. Oh, okay. Uh, amen. A fucking man. All right. So, Karen. Yes. Cases of being buried alive have been recorded as far back as the 14th century. Jesus. And I don't think they recorded shit before that. So. Yeah, there was there was no <laughs> no ability to record. No. Ink got invented yeah. right around that same time. They had time. a, what is, what is the thing we recorded on the beginning of this podcast when we first started? A Zoom. They didn't have Zooms after the, <laughs> before the 1400s, so it wasn't recorded. <laughs> In 1308. It took too long to chisel it into a big piece of stone. <laughs> right. Like, forget it. And then you got to have the headphones, like, so you look like Stephen, and they have to have the mustache, and that takes forever. Ugh. So, in 1308, the vault of Franciscan philosopher John Duns Scotus is open, and his body is reportedly found in, outside of his coffin with bloodied hands. No. Uh, a lot of bloodied hands and nails in this story. I bet. Just want to let everyone know. Of all the things I hate, and there are many things I hate about being buried alive... <laughs> The smallness of a waking up in a casket, the smallness of the space that you then have to suffer in. Yeah. I think that's the, the fear that everyone has. Like when I was reading through this and you'll hear like the like panic that everyone has about the idea of being buried alive, I think has a lot to do with the idea that you're fucking stuck, stuck once you're awake. in a tiny place and that scratching your way out is pretty much your only hope. Yeah. Horrifying. Here we go. Great. Um, Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, this story is considered a myth. Oh, the fear of being buried oh. alive became a pandemic during the Victorian era. Yes. Those fucking crazy Victorians. Everything great and the creepiest of all creepy things yeah. happened during then. Fogs that would come upon oh. the city and fogs and bustles and, and pandemics. Pandemics and lots of child death. Right. Listen to uh, listen to this podcast will kill you for more information. Yes. <laughs> In the 18th and 19th centuries, there was widespread bacterial infections and cholera outbreaks. And in addition to the popular literature like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Edgar Allan Poe's uh, 1844 premature burial, there's also reports from doctors about people supposedly coming back from the dead. Tapophobia, I think, <laughs> um, is the fear of being buried alive. And that spreads across Europe and the U.S. and leads to the invention. And I've always been obsessed with this idea. Safety coffins. Love it. Okay. Safety coffins or security coffins are a coffin fitted with a, me- a mechanism to prevent premature burial or allow the occupant to signal that they have been buried alive. Yeah. A large number of designs for safety coffins were patented during the 18th and 19th centuries, um, and variations on the idea are still available today. Is that true? I got That's what it's, Lily said it is, and I believe her. <laughs> believe Lily. You know what's funny is that tapophobia is the name for the fear of being buried alive. I would call it being a human being. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's not claustrophobia. It's not tapophobia. It's just be, if you are a, a, alive now, you have that fear. You're like, guess what would suck? Peeing my pants. <laughs> Being buried alive. And then what's another one? Choking. B- biting into an old sandwich. Ew, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Eating a salad and finding a cockroach at the bottom of it. Ugh, at the bottom once you're a all done. Live cockroach. A live cockroach. You ate that. First of all, who eats the entire salad? Yeah. Usually you only get about two okay? thirds of the way down. Yeah. This time you finished your salad mm-hmm. and writers are like, ooh, one last crouton. <gasps> no, no, it isn't. <laughs> God, I'm gonna barf. <laughs> okay. Um, the most popular designs use some some type of device for communication to the outside world, like a cord attached to a bell that the buried person could just ring in case they woke up. It's, uh, that idea. I think you talked about this in another a live show one time. Yes. Yeah. Because we. I get to what I talked about. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Keep but talking. I just want to say. That it's like a a person who makes set who makes sets and props for a horrible play. Yeah, was like, what would be the creepiest <laughs> thing this coffin could do? Yeah, it, ring. It's so. It's what so say awful. you're you're the you're the grave digger and you're standing in the cemetery in the middle of the early morning whistling? What's the creepiest thing you could hear? How ding. about a bell? <laughs> ding a ling a ling. Ding. Also, how do those bells not go off when just the okay. wind? Co- oh, well, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. You're right. And in addition to that, <laughs> shit, I should have let you finish. Okay. No, no, no. Um, okay, so. I uh, should let you actually tell your story <laughs> instead of not, guessing. That's not this podcast. Okay, you're right. Remember, we are buried alive in a grave. That's true. Um, <laughs> other variations of the bell include flags and pyrotechnics. What? I don't know. That's all Lily fucking told me. And I was like, this could be a whole episode of its own. You wake up in your coffin and oh. M80 goes off <laughs> above board. And then a fireworks show. Ooh, and then the gravedigger there's like, ooh, ah, and then walks away. Yeah. It doesn't help you. <laughs> um, some burial designs include ladders, escape hatches, and even feeding tubes, but most of them lacked a method hmm. to provide air. Remember air? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You> Remember <laughs> air? <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, you're buried alive. You don't want a snack. No. Don't you're worry gonna, about the feeding tube. Yeah, you know, you don't want to live longer. Send me down an apple, would you? <laughs> no. Or just a mush apple. Okay. In 17- Applesauce, is that what you mean? <laughs> that's, 
Wait, they invented a thing? Yes. That's just a mushed apple? You don't just have to mush your apples anymore. Wait, what? Yeah. The time and expense I have been going to. There's a family, name a Mott, and they figured <laughs> out how to mush up your favorite apples. Well, God bless them. Amen. Amen. In 1791, Robert Robinson, I doubt that, <laughs> a man from Manchester, creates the first safety coffin prototype. Uh, he was laid to rest in a mausoleum fitted with a special door that could be opened from the outside by the watchman on duty. So inside his would be his coffin and there'd be a removable glass panel. And he instructed his family to periodically check on the glass inserted in the coffin, basically to see if he had, was breathing, if there was condensation. Sure, Dad. We will. No, Dad will be Absolutely. there every day. You oh, are, my God. You, can you imagine what his, like living life was like it was very stressful for all the family such a pain in the ass yeah. um the first tr- am i dead did i die no <laughs> you're sitting here at dinner it's fine yes we can sm- can you stop breathing in my face you were breathing yes you were breathing the first true recorded safety coffin was made on the orders of duke ferdinand of brunswick before his death in 1792 he had a window installed to allow light in an air tube provided uh, that provided the supply of fresh air and instead of having his, the lid nailed down he had a lock fitted <laughs> and in a pocket of his shroud when he, he was buried in he had keep the keys for them perfect you got it and then figured a re- it out and a really cute keychain yeah that With said, like a do- dolphin magic. Yeah. That says, here you go. <laughs> Keep JK living. <laughs> and when you turn it this way, the dolphin has a bathing suit on. When you turn it that way, the dolphin's bathing suit comes off. The dolphin has a humongous erect penis. <laughs> and it attacks you because dolphins are rapists. Does the penis, penis have a bathing suit on it? <laughs> and its bathing suit after a bathing suit falls off. The pen is very thick. It's complicated. It, it was actually the pen that killed him. It crushed him to death. (laughs) He invented it. It crushed him. (laughs) What? Okay. So, a German priest named P.J. Pestler suggested in 1798 that all coffins have a tube inserted so that a cord could run to the church bells. Mm. And if an individual (laughs) had... (laughs) What's that you say? An individual (laughs) had been buried... I've only had one can of wine, I swear to God. Why are there two sitting there? Because I'm drinking the other one. It just hasn't been drank yet. Girl. Girl. Up in my head. Uh, check my wine. <laughs> um, okay. So they could draw attention to themselves by ringing the bell inside. They'd be like, ding, 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 ding. You're ringing the church bells now. You want the whole town to come. I guess so. Yeah. Um, so this led to, to signaling systems that came around. Uh, but unfortunately, the coffins... Oh, wait. So then his his bro, a colleague of his, was like, well, we should put trumpet-like tubes instead. So a trumpet instead of bells. Yes. Which is more annoying. And more haunting. Um, each day, the local priest. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> Still alive. Each day, the local priest could check the state of. Oh, okay. Wait. All right. The other thing is that they would have a small trumpet-like tube attached, and the point of that is not so you can blow your fucking trumpet when you realize you've been buried alive. Okay. But so that a local priest would go to the cemetery and smell each of the trumpet funnels mm-hmm. and make sure that the that there was decomposition happening. That the smell of the odors emanating from the tube would be that of decomp, not of a live person just shitting their pants or whatever. The priests are like, have we not given up enough yeah. by never marrying, uh, <laughs> taking a vow of poverty? I wrote, above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get paid though, do they? No. Oh, well, um, no, I don't know. They get paid by going straight to heaven. That's right. First in line, bitches. <laughs> Unless. Uh-oh. 
It's you or me. <laughs> Dr. Adolf Gutsmuth was buried alive several times to demonstrate uh, a safety coffin of his design. And in 1822, he stayed underground for several hours and no. ate a whole meal. What? Which I'm like, What's whatever. this eating in the coffin situation? Delivered to him through the coffin's feeding tube. No, you people are fools. Get up and go to a restaurant. <laughs> it's a really lovely experience. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> in 1829, Dr. Johann Gottfried Taberger, okay, created a more elaborate bell signaling system. Um, so bells housed above ground connected to strings attached to the body's heads, head, only one, hands yeah. and feet. And, um, and it prevented rainwater from going into the tube, blah, blah, blah. If the bell rang, the cemetery watchman would insert a tube into the coffin and pump air in using bellows until the casket would, could be dug up so they'd have fresh air. That's the most... I like that one the best so far. Here's the problem. Uh-oh. And this is the anecdote I must have fucking told because it's one of my absolute favorites that I must have read it as a child and loved <laughs> so much. Well, when a corpse is decom- decomposing and swelling and losing mass and all this shit... Everything moves. And so the bells would start going oh, off. Oh, that's right. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. Nope. It's not someone alive. And so like all the bells going off at once. Can you imagine? The first time that happened, whoever was nearby died of a heart attack. There's <laughs> no right. way they didn't. That's right. This is insanity. Uh-huh. So they would all activate the bell system, which led to false positives. The uh, worst false positive in the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I can think of a couple. Not really. Um... Franz Vester's 1868 burial case overcame this problem by adding a tube through which the corpse, the face of the corpse could be viewed. Oh, I remember that one. Really? Yeah. If the buried person woke up, they could ring the bell like they wanted to. Um, and then the watchman could check to see if the person had actually returned to life or was just movement of the corpse. So that was basically the uh, the 2.0 version. Once they yeah. realized the bells were ringing, then they're like, okay, well, then go look at it. Yeah, and enough priests had quit because they're like, I'm not <laughs> sniffing these fucking tubes anymore. Not going to smell those dead bodies anymore. Because mm. they were always smelling a dead body. Yeah. There was no time they weren't. Right, because it's still going <sighs> to pass. In 1995, a modern safety coffin coffin <laughs> was patented by Fabrizio Caselli. His design included an emergency alarm, intercom system, a flashlight, a breathing apparatus, and both a heart monitor and stimulator. A corkscrew and a nail file. <laughs> Despite the fear of burial while still alive, there's no documented cases of anybody being saved by a safety coffin. <laughs> oh, man. What a great life lesson. They, they just should have keep inventing them. They'd have gotten better and better. I mean, it's like, I have this fear. And instead of dealing with the fear that I have, right. I'm going to continually invent things to make me feel like anything can be done if a bad thing happens yeah. to me. Or maybe like add one more check to the at the morgue. To so just double check that the person's dead. How about you stab him right in one of the eyes? Ah! Would that wake you up? That would wake you right up. A poke in the ear, maybe? Ow. With a feather? A or tickle. Just, how about smelling salts? I guess it doesn't have to be violent. Tickle. A tickle. <laughs> I'd wake up. Okay. But the practice of modern day embalming has, for the most part, eliminated the fear of premature burial. <laughs> That's pretty much going to solve it. Thanks. <laughs> Um, because no one has ever survived that process once completed. Oh, I wonder how many people got embalmed when they were still alive. We were like, well, I still have my spleen. Yeah. Ring, so. ring, 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 ring. <laughs> That's all I need. Um, it's been thought that phrases like saved by the bell, dead ringer, and graveyard shift come from the use of safety coffins 
Why do I keep doing that? Coftons? Uh-huh. Like you're thinking of caftans. Or attic, an attic. Yeah. Um, in the Victorian era, but these have been dispelled as an urban myth oh. um, attributed to a linguistic email hoax that was uh, <laughs> blah, 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 said that Saved by the Bell is actually from boxing. <laughs> so shut up. But that's interesting because it really does apply. But it does sound like Dead Ringer could be from that. Yeah. I I would love to be on any kind of a hoax email chain involving linguists. Remember all those email chains that used to be a thing? Send this to five people or you're going to get smushed. My <laughs> Also, there was one where it was like, fill out this thing. Yeah. Did you ever do that one where it was like you basically you get the name of a person, you fill out all these things about them and then send it to them and then they do it for somebody else? No. We did it in our family. It was I can't really explain that process logically, but basically... <laughs> Um, I got one, my, like, ever all my cu- cousins and all these people did it. And then it came around and my dad sent me mine. <gasps> and then, and the one thing he was like, the, it was some like, you had to say like nice things about these people and what yeah. they're like and whatever. And like, uh, I think he said my best attribute and he said smart. He just put <laughs> smart. And I was does like, he hate you. He does a lot, but. <laughs> It was really exciting because all my life he'd always been like, hey, easy, smart ass. It was always oh, kind of like a yeah. negative. And suddenly I was like, you liked it this whole yeah. time. You were egging me on. <laughs> he was like not trying to get you to stop. <laughs> That's right. That's sweet. Do you still have it? The email? I bet you could find it. I printed it up. I put it in a frame. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So here's some cases of people being buried alive. Ready? I am. Uh, in November 1656. Oh, wait, so it really did happen. It's just that they weren't saved by those coffins. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Shit. Shit. Okay, I get it. But I these are it. also like they didn't, uh, these people weren't buried in these coffins either, but these are people who right. were, who, you'll find out. Okay, Here got we go. it. In November 1656, Alice Davies is married to William Blunder of the Basking, of Baxingstoke, a man from a well-established <laughs> local family. They're like, they're like nobles and shit like that. Sure. Um, what country does it say? England, no. probably. Yes, probably. Okay. William Blunder was a malt maker and his wife, quote, had accustomed herself to many times to drink brandy. So sure. she drank a lot. One she e- had accustomed herself to it. <laughs> yeah, me too. One evening, she drank a large quantity of poppy water and fell into a deep sleep that no one could wake her from. Uh, opium. <laughs> oh, right. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, it was concluded that she had died and William, being the amazing, sweet, wonderful husband he is, was like, hey, I have to go to London really quick. Keep her body there. I swear I'll come right back for the funeral. <laughs> what was he doing? I don't know, <laughs> but it was really important, I guess. Um, but her her family was like, fuck that shit. It's hot out. We're not leaving her body out to rot. Like, He's like, I got tickets to go see Big Ben. I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm going to go see the Book of Mormon and I can't, or the new fleet bag screen live, live show. show yes um so they were like fuck that shit we're, we're gonna bury her so then a few days after the burial a few of uh, some boys who had been playing nearby reported hearing a voice from the grave they uh, didn't think it was real but uh the grave was open and her body was found it looked like she was beaten but in actuality it was injuries inflicted by herself on her body in her confinement oh yeah so um 
So being unable to detect any continuing signs of life, those present at the scene, they put Alice back in the grave overnight and the coroner summoned the next day. And uh, they had found that she tore off a great part of her winding sheet, scratched herself in several places, beaten her mouth so long it was filled with blood. And she was now definitely dead. Sorry, are you saying she was buried alive twice? The second time she was dead. Great. I That's a huge hope. relief to me. I think and hope. <laughs> I think they would have left her out just to make sure, you know? You you would hope that they would make double sure, but, you know, yeah. most of the stories on the show don't go that well. Yeah, exactly. Um, no one's convicted or, like, gets in trouble for this, although the town had a considerable fine that they had to pay because of this. <laughs> The whole town. I guess the whole town. We're, we're all going down together. Yeah, like, this sucks on all of our parts. Yeah. So in 1880, here's another one. 1884, Kentucky's Hickman Courier reported that a w- young woman by the name of Anna Hockwalt is dressing for her brother's wedding. She sits down to rest in the kitchen, as we all do. And then uh, someone checks on her and she's just laying there with her head against the wall and appears lifeless. Uh, medical aid arrives and the doctor thought she was dead. He couldn't revive her. And she had a, a nervous nature, and the fact that she suffered from heart palpitations was the cause of death, they mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. But Anna's friends were like, this doesn't seem fucking real, and her ears look pink still, her friend said. So they figured blood was still flowing through them. Mm-hmm. Her friends must have just gotten drunk at the fucking funeral, though, because they didn't tell her family about this <laughs> and their assumption until after she's buried great friends no parents you know what i was thinking remember when her ears were pink i just think she's still alive (laughs) her parents are like what the fuck they dig her back up and they find anna's body she's lying on her side her fingers are not almost to the bone yeah and her hair is torn out by the handful of course i mean all bets are off no you wake up in that situation you're like can i just kill me yeah in 1889, a woman named Octavia Smith married a wealthy Kentuckian named James Hatcher. They had a son named Jacob, but the um, infant mortality rate was so high back then that they that this Jacob died in infancy. And Octavia goes into a deep depression. She's bedridden, and she shows signs of a mysterious illness. And eventually, she enters a coma-like state, and no one can wake her up. She's pronounced dead in May of 1891, just four months after her infant son died. Um, It was super hot that year, so Octavia's buried quickly, and embalming wasn't a common practice yet. But a few days later, um, other people in the town began falling into a similar similar coma-like state that she had with shallow breathing patterns and they wake up a few days later though they discover it is an illness caused by the bite of the setsi fly titsi thank you setsi <laughs> fly <laughs> fearing that she'd been buried alive her husband james panics has her exhumed um and she had a, she had been buried alive oh but james was too late Oh, no. Her coffin was airtight. He found the coffin lining had been shredded, and Octavia's fingernails were bloody. Yes, that, yes. So many bloody fingernails. And her face was frozen in a um, shriek of terror. Yes, I believe that. James is traumatized as fuck. He I mean. reburies his wife, erects a lifelike monument of her that sits in the cemetery that she's still buried in. I know. Ooh. Um, Wait, does it, it say where? Is I think Kentucky was where they're from. Kentucky, yeah. I mean, that's there's a mausoleum you want to go visit. Oh my god! At midnight on Halloween. No, 
Should we do it? Let's record. <laughs> Let's record on Halloween from a fucking cemetery. Inside a mausoleum. Want to? As many people as can fit. So it'll be like an 11 person live show. <laughs> and we'll all be screaming at the top of our lungs what the entire that? time. What was that? Okay. Eleanor Markham is an American woman who became one of the most prominent cases of of averted premature burial in the 19th century. According to news reports, 22-year-old Markham, Eleanor Markham, was pronounced dead in Sprankers, New York. (laughs) Which is like, what? How have I not known about that? (laughs) You know what I would love? If Lily misspelled Yonkers. (laughs) (laughs) Sprankers! (laughs) If Sprankers is real, we're doing an only Sprankers hometown mini episode next week. (laughs) Sprankers! Stephen, do you mind Wikipedia? When George is done, we can do a quick update on is what Sprankers is all about. Oh, my God, it's real. Oh, Lily, you're off the hook. <laughs> yeah, Sprankers is a hamlet in the town of Root, Montgomery, uh, New York. Wow, Sprankers. No- notable people, uh, George A. Mitchell, founder of Cadillac. Oh, is from Sprankers? It's from Sprankers. Fuck. <laughs> And that's why every Cadillac has the trademarked Sprankers handle on the driver's side. <laughs> please send us Sprankers hometown and put in the subject line Sprankers hometown. Is that, need, please write that. Sprankers, bitch. Please in, just keep in the subject line. Please let us keep saying the word Sprankers. It's our favorite word. Wow. Okay. Uh, this is July 8th, 1894. How am I 50 and I've never heard the t- town name of Sprankers, New York? They're fiercely private. I'm so tired of people keeping things from me. It does feel like people are always keeping shit from us. It feels like people are talking behind our back about Sprankers. <laughs> like everyone knows about it but us. They refuse to tell us. Should we go to Sprankers? This, this is the only podcast that doesn't know about Sprankers. It's so sad when they talk and they don't know about Sprankers. <laughs> and they don't mention Sprankers every five minutes. Okay. She's dead, they say. Uh, it's warm. They're going to bury her quickly. Her yep. coffin is closed and fastened after the family members say goodbye um, in the church and on the way to the graveyard, the hearse has stopped after a noise is heard coming from the coffin. Oh, thank God. She doesn't She doesn't go underground. For no. <sighs> the lid is unfastened and she says, you're burying me alive! <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I'm in Sprankers and you're burying me alive! Holy Sprankers, you're gonna bury me alive? <laughs> you fucking Sprankers. Um, and then the doctor who had fucking done this was like, hush, child, you're all right. It's a mistake easily rectified. Yeah, now, bro. Step off, bitch. She says <laughs> that soon after she had fainted, which is when they thought she was dead, um, she had recovered after being administered some stimulants. Cocaine. Yes, cocaine for their every ailment. <laughs> Except for getting alive. <laughs> um, she said that she had been conscious the entire time of the preparations for burial, but she couldn't cry out and she finally she thought she's gonna be buried alive like the whole way and finally she was like move your fucking body sprankers and she she was able to hit you know make a noise that's the worst thing yeah knowing you're gonna be (laughs) oh my god yes i'm not i don't think i usually have these feelings when we talk about terrible terrible things to each other yeah this one's getting to me yeah i do not like well guess what you're gonna be buried alive tonight i will sprank you (laughs) 
<laughs> so hard. Um, her case is among those included in the book Premature Burial and How It May Be Prevented by William Tebb and uh, Edward Volum. Um, so in 19... 19- Tebb and Volum. Tebb and Volum. They wrote the best books. Yeah. So another one is in 1937, a 19-year-old from France named Angelo Hayes. He goes for a fucking motorcycle ride, hits a fucking wall, fucking head first into a brick wall. <sighs> Um, his head is mangled. He has no pulse. He's so terrible to look at that they're like, to his family, you can't see him. Yeah. Now, you know, it just sucks. He's declared dead and buried three days later. Oh, no. But um, the insurance company was like, we don't we don't buy it. Exhume the body. Because <laughs> they're insurance companies. They're like, we won't pay. Yeah, until we yeah. see. They discover that his body is still warm. No. And in the aftermath of the accident, his body had put him into a, a deep coma. Yes. And didn't need a lot of oxygen. So he's still fucking alive. After being buried alive, he received proper medical care and went on to make a full recovery. No. Away. What's his name? Angelo? Angelo Hayes. Wow, Angelo. Um, he, uh, he invented a type of security coffin after this. Why do I keep saying Kaftan? <laughs> you're you're saying Kaftan with a weird accent. I am just like dying to be in my Kaftan. Right oh, Kaftan. Kaftan. <laughs> he tours across France showing off his, his security coffin. And uh, in it is a small oven, a refrigerator, and a hi-fi cassette player. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it says. So this was like in the 60s? Like of later on? No. This was in the in 37, 1937. A hi-fi cassette. Did you say cassette player? Did I hear that wrong? Is that what I meant? Cassette player. Hi-fi, hi-fi cassette player. Well, those are in quotes, so I didn't, yeah. Unless oh. Lily quote is quoting herself it's now. It's so funny. This, I'm questioning everything. You already said Lily's name, and I'm like, is that this? How the fuck would I know? <laughs> Lily's take, like, record can't be right. <laughs> She's like 22, too, so she wouldn't know. She's like, cassettes are from uh, 1843, <laughs> yeah, right? right? They're vintage. Okay. In 2007, a Venezuelan man named Carlos Camejo, he's 33, he's declared dead after an accident, a highway accident, taken to the morgue. Examiners begin their autopsy. Oh. Then he starts bleeding, which, you know, guess what, guys? Dead bodies don't bleed. Yeah. Right? Just, that's day one of medical school. Yeah, remember that. <laughs> day one of autopsy school. <laughs> <laughs> he starts bleeding, and then he wakes up, and he's in excruciating pain in the autopsy. Yeah, I bet. Because he's still alive. And that table's so cold. Oh, God. They quickly stitch him up, <laughs> and his grieving wife had just turned up to ID him and then finds him in the hallway alive, which is so sweet. Oh, that's, yeah, good for her. Right. Then, as recently as 2014... <laughs> so sweet. Like, to be so bummed, to be like, I have to do this. Oh, you're alive. Oh, my God, you're alive. I Why do you have that huge scar? See, that's a romance story, not your fucking... That's right. ...shitty... Not... You did great. <laughs> I didn't mean you. Um... There was also in 2014 a case of a woman being buried alive in Greece. She had succumbed to cancer and her children heard her screams coming from her grave. No. Not long after burial. She's exhumed and it was discovered that she actually died of cardiac arrest after she was buried. No. I know. You said, did you say 2014? Yeah, I did. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Promise. Never mind. 
I don't want to jinx. Anything. I will. I'll come and check your grave. Thank and you. Sniff your t- trumpet or whatever it was. <laughs> like, poke me with a safety pin or something. I'll make sure that the fireworks haven't gone off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, most of these modern cases are because of unforeseen circumstances and just plain bad luck. The possibility of <laughs> the possibility. <laughs> The possibilities. (laughs) The possibility of being buried alive today is virtually impossible because of embalming. However, if by some... (laughs) 2014 was five years ago. I know, but it's Greece. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know what that means. Some scientists say that that you can survive up to 36 hours if if you've been buried alive with the oxygen. So, like, keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Shallow breaths. Make sure you get... um, Make sure you get buried with like a tasty cakes in your pocket or something. <laughs> That's why I always have a protein bar. That's right. And a cell phone. Yeah. Right. It all depends on how much air is in the coffin. And those are stories of buried alive in a grave. Unbelievable. <laughs> in a coffin. In a coftan. Mm-hmm. Ooh, in a coffin in a coftan. There's, I love that because I really was getting upset. Really getting upset. That's such, you know, there's there, a Ryan Reynolds movie where he is buried alive. No. And it's him and a lighter. It's very frustrating. It's, it's not the whole movie, but it's a lot of the and movie, it's and it's insanity. Buried alive in a coffin. In a grave. In, <laughs> in a, a grave, grave. In a grave. In a grave. Wow, that was wow. amazing. Well, welcome to uh, Hell. basically fall. <laughs> 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 we're welcoming in fall. That's what we're doing in this That's episode. That's right. Yeah it's, yeah. it's exciting. Get your shirts with bats on them. Yeah. We're get get ready to transition out of summertime. What and are you going to be for Halloween this year? I'm probably going to be buried alive in a grave, I think. <laughs> the film. The lead in the film. Perfect. Buried alive in a grave. <laughs> Let's make it. Let's make it as a student film. Okay. Let's go back to school. But the whole, yeah, but the whole thing is, um, it's much more like, it's like, uh, what's that movie? It's like uh, My Dinner with Andre, where it's the discussion about being buried okay. alive in a grave. So no one has to go into a coffin. But it gets like St. Elsewhere kind of e, where it's like, is that the one? Or it's like... St. Almost Fire. Yes. Yeah. Or like someone that is like, well, I'm going to try it. Yeah. I'll try it. Robbie, you're so wild. Oh, my God. You're crazy. <clears throat> Rob, Rob Lowe starts playing the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of amazing cocaine use in that movie. <laughs> I fucking bet. Oh, I love it. Demi Moore like does way too much cocaine and she opens all the windows in her room and then there's like this insanely 80s shot of her i'm sure i've described this before because it's truly one of my favorite memories from my teen years yeah and and this is how everyone in my family should have known that i was a drug addict waiting to happen because <laughs> that scene was like i was like yeah what, she, she did, just doing cocaine and she did a ton of coke by herself and then was in her room holding her knees she was i think she was wearing like a shirt and no pants yeah holding her knees all the windows were open and these long white curtains were blowing and, and like, you were like, like great that looks fun. i was like i love this i want to do this that looks lonely and cold her room i think it's because she had high ceilings and the walls were painted mm. a cool color Romant- from what i remember romanticizing cocaine i mean it's one of the more romantic <laughs> elements in filmmaking <laughs> Uh, what's your wow um, oh what's your fucking hooray my fucking hooray is and I'm sorry because this is a it's a tad of a repeat because I think in the rec room last week I recommended Tara Brock's podcast who is the she's a Buddhist teacher and like a meditation teacher and stuff like that yeah so I was listening to her podcast this morning and I have a quote I want to read from it I want to because I liked this so much and it helped me so much that I actually typed it up and sent it to my therapist. Because <laughs> I was like, how weird is this? Because it's kind of what we were talking, we had been talking it. about. 
Um, so if you would indulge me, I'm going to read even more off a piece of paper. Please do. Sprankers. <laughs> <laughs> May I first start by saying Sprankers. Sprankers. That's got to be the name of the episode, right? <laughs> Not being buried alive in a grave. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, it feels like Maybe it. Maybe Sprankers with a question mark. <laughs> So this is from um, an episode of her podcast. I just started listening to ran- random episodes in the morning, mm-hmm. like as kind of a way to wake up and and be calm or whatever. And so this it's a two part series called "How Hope Can Heal and Free Us," okay. which seemed like a a good thing to love it. listen to. And this part it really got me. Everyone, so, close your eyes, even if you're driving. Okay, <laughs> if you're driving, pull over wherever you are. <laughs> Okay, so uh, she's, tar- she's talking about a felt sense of severed belonging. So severed belonging is like the pain a lot of us hold, mm. a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. But it is not real. It's just a felt sense is the, is the way she specifies it, it. Um, as opposed to a reality. So <clears throat> she says, it happens typically in early childhood when our parents also had severed belonging and are unable to create that resonance field where we're seen and gotten for who we are. So when there's not really a safe, loving, f- filled with understanding sense of attunement in our home life, that is a sense of being cut off. And when there's enough nurturance, when there's really good mirroring, I see you, I get you, that's what activates the neural connections in the frontal cortex. So our capacity, especially the relational network in the frontal cortex that has to do with empathy and compassion that gets activated when as young children we're in a resonance field and when we're not in other words when we don't get seen and we don't get that loving we don't get the activation in our frontal cortex we're not able to engage in relationships so fully because there's no trust and there's some sense of danger Mm. so when that happens instead of being guided by wholeness or an activated brain and an awake heart we're guided by our limbic system that looks for what's threatening and dangerous and tends not to trust others in animal studies um, in chimps when the mother is erratic in mothering sometimes there sometimes not the erraticness is what sets off a sense of insecurity and trauma when the mother's erratic the babies end up binge eating, being antisocial, withdrawn, and fearful. And then she starts laughing and everyone in the room starts yeah, laughing. because we're all like, hi. <laughs> yes. And then she goes, does that sound familiar? <laughs> um, and then she says, it creates the groundwork for depression because when we're cut off from that sense of connection with others, when we're living in anxiety, the tendency is to want to push under our life energy because it's so unpleasant. Mm. <sighs> And Tell that, them, say the podcast name again, because I, I, I and everyone who is closing their eyes driving needs to <laughs> listen um, to it. It's just I, I don't think it. It's just Tara Brock is the way if you put it in um, into like iTunes. Play it. You, play it. If you <laughs> if you put, <laughs> play, play her podcast on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you just if you put her name in, um, it's the one that comes up, and then you can go through and it's. Um, whatever the title is that I said at the beginning that I didn't write down. It's just the kind of thing where, because it's it's medically based. So it's not saying conceptually, and here's these concepts or whatever. It's like, this is the truth about how our brains, how your brains are developed. Yeah, and like you're you're not feeding your brain with the correct, you know, nutrients that it needs, which is nurturing and reliability and... And someone looking at you and going, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so, of course, you're not going to fucking, you know 
grow and thrive and and not get depression and not feel no, a- you're, alienated. Right. And, you're going to you learn to cope and yeah. then you kind of and everything is like danger. And it's just so fascinating because I think it's also it's not you feeding yourself. It's yeah. like this is what happens to tons of people yeah. in their childhoods. This is the way you come up. And it's versions of this. It doesn't you don't have to have had the worst child in right. the world. You could have a great one. But if there's any kind of erraticness or lack of consistency yeah then you these things you have these reactions for a very real almost medical reason like a biological reason i think that's really helped me with my anxiety knowing that i am i it's all it's all learned behavior yes and it can be unlearned or you know it, it can be if it's not unlearned while it's happening i can remind myself of these things if i practice them enough so i'm actually maybe my fucking hurry is that i'm doing emdr right now ooh which is the um, not electronic dance music <laughs> you've already done that i know. And helped you a lot it did. i really feel free i'm sorry i'm not burnt at burning man this week <laughs> but i'm there with you burners and yeah, so we were thinking of uh she made me think of a positive happy time in my life and i thought of it you know and it was it was so I could cope for this weekend's uh, baby shower that I'm throwing for my sister at my house. Mm-hmm. And how, lots of issues, lots of potential, yes, a rich the area. First time my mom and I have seen each other since we kind of made up. It's going to be interesting. And the thing I thought about was uh, a family gathering at my mom's house and how positive it can be and how great we can be together. Totally. And it kind of changed my mind and my mood about what it's going to be like this weekend. So. Yeah. Awesome. Therapy, guys. God, it works. It's just, you know what it is? Instead of thinking that what you think about yourself is absolutely the truth and going with that, just running it by someone who went to school about these things who can be like, no, no, no. Yeah. Real, hold on. You can't do it if no one did it for you. Right. you. It can't, you can't, it can't come out of nowhere. It has, you have to give yourself the chance to learn it and you have to give yourself the chance to change. My favorite thing about that I've learned in therapy is that like the things we're doing now are things that we used as children and when we were younger to cope with our situation and our lives and to get just get through. Yes. And to survive. Yeah. And, the, and we're still doing them even though they're not needed and helping us anymore right they're not effective and they're maybe hindering us now and so you can say to those those things that you did and what you needed like thank you you got me here and now i can do it with like a different in a different way yes and now i can do it in my way because i'm parenting myself now exactly and that that you are it's not you um, you're not this like separate special case. Broken, yeah. It's every single person, yeah. truly every person. And that's actually very helpful if you're ever intimidated or you ever feel like you can't do something because you're not good enough or you don't deserve, like you don't deserve therapy. I know a lot of people think that. Yes. But actually, when you think about it, every person that is around you, probably most I, 85% of those people, that's a guess. I n- never went to any kind of school really, but... <laughs> Everyone is working from this damaged 12 year old mm-hmm. at the oldest. I mean, you're, you're yeah. that, that voice in your head that's the meanest and the scariest and the most convincing, the fear voice that it's, it's very uneducated. It's very young. And they think they're helping you. Yes. It, that voice thinks it's helping you. Yeah. It means well, but it, it, do, it means well in a mean way. So now you get to make this brilliant decision to not live your life like that anymore. And, and how lucky are we that we get that opportunity? Yeah. Especially me with my big white teeth. 
Oh my God, I'm so different. <laughs> Welcome to the. I forgot to tell you, there's a secret handshake for us big white teeth people. Oh, fuck yes. yeah. Oh my God, I never told you. And it's you. touching front teeth. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to get you to kiss me. <laughs> You rub your teeth together. And then you say, you whisper very quietly, sprinkles. What's it called? Sprinkers. Sprinkers? Sprinkers. You whisper, sprinkers. Sprinkers, New York. It's a hamlet in New York. Everybody knows it with big white teeth. Oh, thanks for fucking doing this with us, you guys. <laughs> Once again. Oh, you guys stick with it. Yeah, please. Uh, please stick with us. Yeah. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sprankers. <laughs> Sprankers. <laughs> Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs>